Hey, Drew Scott here, and I'm Jonathan Scott, reminding you that life's better with a home policy from American Family Insurance. They can help you get just the right protection at just the right price and help you save when you bundle home and auto. Kind of like Goldilocks and the Three Bears. It'll be just right for you. We love a custom build. American Family Insurance. Insure carefully. Dream fearlessly. Get a quote and find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. That's it. There's a new member of the Final Four Club, and they hail from Lubbock, Texas. Celebrating in the streets in Lubbock. Wow. Because Texas Tech Monday night will be playing for the national championship. Welcome one, welcome all to the Tortillas and Tanks podcast, part of the 1012 Network and the official podcast for Rare Sports. You are on once again with your boy, I'll be sure. And we are continuing our series of previewing uh, Big 12 football teams in the 2022 season. Uh, it's football's almost here, so it's exciting. And so, of course, like uh, with this preview, every time we have a guest on, I gotta have the people champ that is Jeremy Gillen. What's up, Jeremy? What's up, Albie? One more week of previews, one week closer to football. Uh, we had a happy half hour and just talking about how excited we are about the upcoming season, not necessarily about the content. It's just as, you know, it's exciting to have football back for some teams out there. It is always exciting when football season comes around because there are high hopes, high expectations with a lot of validity behind it. So we are going to have an episode today talking about one of those teams that just year in, year out gets to sit and think about, you know, what if we win the national championship? You know, and it's 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 funny as we get to this. This is always the one where I'm like, ah, we got to talk about this great team again. You know, this fan base that always gets to win the Big 12 Well, for the first time. We are talking about this team, the Oklahoma Sooners, and they're not coming off of a Big 12 championship for the first time in what feels like forever. But I think it's actually been legitimately eight plus years. So with that, got to bring on a good friend of mine, Corey, the founder of Big 12 podcast, uh, the Big 12 country podcast. Sorry. Uh, what's going on, Corey? No, I thought how we doing. It's, you guys doing all right? We're doing fantastic, man. I mean. Dude, so what is it like being a fan? What this is it like being a fan of a team that like just wins <laughs> like all the time? Like, it's just, what is what is that like knowing that? Okay, we're just gonna go in and just win another Big Twelve championship. Our listeners have no idea what that's like. <laughs> so please, them. in your best wordsmithing, it, it, help it, us. If I could sum it up in one word, easy. <laughs> I'm I'm easy. I'm sick of you already. Okay, <laughs> it makes my life. It, it makes my life because there's already. There's already a hundred years of heritage, stated facts, statistics, all Americans, Heisman winners, national titles that I start the conversation with. So I, it, it's it's just easy. <laughs> it's it's well. I mean, other way to put it. Well, I will say this, Corey. I mean, y'all. Now we're this is so we've done this series, and and so far every every team we've talked to have been a team that's going to be in the Big Twelve for a long time. Now Oklahoma, the big news of the off season, or I wouldn't say the off season of the last year has been that y'all are only going to be part of the Big 12 for the next couple seasons. So as a fan of a team that is really, I mean, y'all have, I think that right now the plan is that Oklahoma will go to the SEC starting, I think, the 2024 season. How is that? I mean, are you excited well, about the move to SEC or is it, is it, uh, uh, are you, you know, how, how are you feeling about that? Well, as we, we Oklahoma and Texas people like to say for uh, legal purposes, 2025, um, we don't, we don't, we don't, we don't want any legal liabilities out there. 
that might get us in trouble with the new commissioner in the Big 12. But, yeah, uh, basically, I mean, honestly, the more, you know, when it started, when it first came down, obviously there was a ton of excitement across the fan base. Um, and I know that hurts to hear a little bit, but um, there, there was a lot of excitement. And we probably got a little ahead of ourselves on how fast a process like this could take place. So there was a lot of 2022s and, you know, 2023s and we're going to move right away. And, and it was just like, and the more you, you started to think about it and it started to see the process online because yes, we lived through the big 12 and, and have a pretty good front row seat of, of what realignment looks like in a serious level like this, not just, Hey, the school of the blind went to this conference that nobody ever watches, but actual, you know, big power teams moving. Um, you know, it, it's been so long. I think we had just forgot what the process looked like and what it took and what, you know, the legalities, the money and, a lot of money changing hands here when this goes when this goes down you know so this is not something you just walk into a room and do a starbucks at two o'clock in the afternoon and just leave so you know there's lawyers all that and i, I think we got a little ahead of ourselves over time i think it's kind of rebuilt itself it feels pretty strong 2024 um that's where you know i am at the moment but if you'd asked me this right a year ago i'd have i just i'd have leaned 2023 so um and, and this is the SEC, as we know. And again, first of all, if you didn't catch, I do a Big 12 podcast. Huge fan of the conference. If you ever want to know where I stand, even as an Oklahoma fan on this conference, there is an episode you can go back and listen to. I believe it's in the 2017 year of our show where we just sit and talk about why we decided to start a podcast and how much we love the conference. And there will be Big 12. And there will be Texas Tech players. mission. There will be all. If you ever want to know, go back and listen. I love this conference. This conference has basically basically followed my life um, life timeline, if you will. Ninety six when I started, I was twelve years old, old enough to really understand sports, and I've you know it's been a part of me ever since. So all of these schools, all this history, all this does mean a lot to me. But allow me to say this: the SEC, this is another level. Um, obviously, they're going to do things a little differently, a little more reliably than maybe some of our commissioners in the past have. So I think maybe that's and you know of course the ESPN obviously. Um, at the controls of all this, um, you know, they're going to have to get their, their teeth in this and figure it. So, you know, I, I think that's why you've heard so many different projections, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Legal reasons, obviously 2025, but I feel pretty good about 2024. I'm sorry. That was a really long way to answer that question. No, you're good. I mean, that's, and that's, I do think it's, it is, you know, if you're an Oklahoma fan, it is exciting, right. To be able to go and you always hear about sec, this sec, that, and, and, um, uh, so it is going to be exciting to, it's for your program to be able to go and play the LSUs and the Alabamas and still continue to beat up on Texas. That's always a good time for everybody else in the conference. So, um, but as we think about 2022, you did have some players leave some that were as expected oh. to leave already and, Hell, and Spencer so. Rattler, others, that were few. expected to, that we were hoping to stay, right? And, and guys like Mario Williams and then, of, of course, uh, um, quarterback Caleb Williams. And then you also had a certain head coach leave, a, a Red Raider head coach in Lincoln hey, Riley. Yeah, I'm going to talk to you guys about that for a second, by the way, because <laughs> I wasn't even going to mention that guy. I was going to just, you know, completely go over this podcast. But since we're on a Texas Tech podcast. Yeah, I mean. You watch y'all, watch y'all go ahead and be honest with us that that was a spy y'all sent up to try to just completely <laughs> – <laughs> to take Oklahoma out of, of the picture to where 100% and, and then eventually he comes back home the hero and y'all are national title winners a couple years later just go Once ahead a red and red 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 always a red raider Look, yeah. I'll say yeah. I'll say this yeah. and I'll be completely honest with you I think I'll, I'll be more honest than back. most most tech fans will be on this Lincoln Riley did y'all about as dirty as Chris Beard did tech on the basketball side 
Um, it was bad. It was the way Lincoln Riley treated, good, treated Oklahoma. It was it it was bad, and, and there's the, really no the only way thing I would say around that. Sorry, the only thing I would say about that comparison, and again, Tech fans, please take no offense to this. I'm just honest to a fault. The biggest difference in what you just said is Texas and Texas Tech, which, again, you're more recently a really good basketball program, but a historical program like Oklahoma from a standpoint. Leaving an Oklahoma for a USC, basically to even-footed program. I mean, you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, Texas big well, budget. You, I could say at this, least, you could at least hear him out, you know. Well, at the same time, though, at the time of Beard leaving – he let so at the time of Beard leaving, he just went to the national championship game in basketball. Uh, Texas had like they had a losing season just a couple of years prior to that. Um, Tech was pay, willing to pay him more than Texas was, so he took a pay cut. And at the time, a program that was in a worse state, or to go to a program that was in a worse state. So he's still and, also, and it's also his alma mater, correct? It was his alma mater, but he's also okay. spent more so years living that factor too. It was it was but he's also spent more years living in Lubbock. But I will say this. With Lincoln Riley leaving Oklahoma, I, I I do give this credit is that he left the, the just the way he did it, in that of uh, you're doing it right after you lose to um to, you lose to uh, uh, uh to Oklahoma State in Bedlam, where now if you're a Oklahoma fan, you're saying, well, you know, uh, did he yeah, lose we it? On, do you lose it on purpose? Like, and and I and I get it, and, and maybe he didn't, but those thoughts come up, right? Like those mm-hmm. thoughts of because that's be a, a lot, thought, and that's a natural thought. I it's think, a natural a thought. Like, I don't you're think, thinking. I don't, I don't think that's that we are that committed to this 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 thing that we dedicate, you know, that we so emotionally care about week in and week out, um, that we are feel we are part of the program, and for to lose that game to a rival and then to just uproot like that i i feel like that was a logical react i felt at least early i felt like we were well within our rights i, I think now, that i think that with that i think it went a little far but well i think that with that you know it's kind of it's kind of weird and you're like okay well that wouldn't that, that no man would nobody would do that but it's just it would have made it a lot harder to leave for usc if oklahoma is in the uh college football playoff College football which, player, yeah. had, had they beat up Exactly. Had they had they won every game for the rest of the year, you know, right? They would have only had one loss on their record, and they and they probably do get the number four spot ahead of Cincinnati, and then it's a lot harder to leave, right? Hell, I'd argue the Cincinnati coach only stayed because his team was in the college football playoff, right? And so he was I get it. hard. I mean, he was sought out by everybody. Yeah, and then not to mention the whole "I am not going to LSU" comment. It was it was tough, but so so take us so well, and now, yeah, now with the tra- that's my favorite part of the story though. Yeah, real quick, that's my favorite part of the story that nobody ever talks about. LSU had food, had catered in. Food was having a party. Thought he was coming to Baton Rouge. Like after that game, was expecting him to be there the next morning or that night, and basically found out like the rest of us that he's headed to Southern California. Now, personally, I think that's hilarious. I'm not a huge LSU fan, but you know you can do with that what you want. I, I at least somebody else got stabbed in the back in the situation too. Is all I'm saying. <laughs> well, now they have the fake cage. So there's, so, so there you go. <laughs> <laughs> oh golly, man! Hey, that's been hey, the best. That's been the best. I, I, I will weekly tune into that television show in Baton Rouge just to see him clash with that culture. First of all, secondly, he's going to lose games there, guys. Like he's not. He's not. He he's a quality coach. He's not built for that job. I'm sorry. I just don't think he is. I don't think he can handle it. I really don't. Um, I think. We'll see with his recruiting because he's now away from Notre Dame where he doesn't have that crutch of, well, our academic standards, we can't get the same players as everybody else BS. They've been spitting forever. But then they want to act like they're God over college football. Anyway, so 
that you have that problem. And then, you know, I, I'm curious to see, like, if you can't quite get to their standard and their, you know, when LSU's rolling, they're rolling. If we can't quite get to that, I, they're, they're going to hang him out there. I mean, he, he's going to have to leave in the middle. It's going to be like when the Colts left Baltimore. He's going to have to, middle of night, semi it out of that place, hope to God nobody sees him, maybe even call a few cops for escort because they're going to kill him. Like I, by the time he loses enough games, because they already don't like him. Like if you talk to some of their fans like straight up, there's people that are hopeful that he can win, but they're not a huge fan of the guy. So I, I just think all that, that whole storyline there – all I'm saying is a college football fan, if you're listening, keep your eyes on that situation because it's going to be fun. Mm. So let's talk about fun. Oklahoma's offense. We're coming into 2022. Venables hires Ole Miss coordinator Jeff Lebby, who, if I'm not mistaken, played at Oklahoma right back in the day. Um he, he, this huge like spread attack that's been very successful in the SEC and US UCF before that, which is super important. Um while he doesn't feature a very kind of Bryles, because you just worked under Bryles, like this Bryles super spread, just kind of pass the ball around as much as possible. Um, he does use that hyper-tempo pace, right? Something that Oklahoma really slowed down with back in 2020, um, back last season, kind of a slower pace, right? Whether it's Spencer Riley's struggles, Caleb Williams' youth, or just the changing philosophy for uh, Lincoln Riley, you know, um, the, the hurry up, no huddle is back with Jeff Levy. And there's a lot of offensive weapons. You know, you lose some people, but there's still a lot of people left for Oklahoma. Number one in my mind being that, you know, Levy pulls Dylan Gabriel from UCF coming to Oklahoma. So tell us, Corey, a little bit about Oklahoma's offense. You know, who right now is the people you're looking at? Like these are some people that are about to be have their breakout seasons or these are the people that we can have the most reliability on. Give us an outlook for Oklahoma's offense in 2022. And, and you mentioned, well, first, let me preface this real shortly. You're going to hear a lot of things about OU prediction-wise this year from people, especially in camps just now starting, so things are going to start leaking out as they usually do. Um, but you're going to hear a lot of, well, this is going to happen, this is going to happen, this is going to happen. Nobody has a clue. This is a brand new staff, top to bottom. This is a team that lost, I don't want to say it's identity, although in event, eventually it will morph into a, a completely different version of itself. But in terms of some of its leaders and players, in that sense, those guys are gone. Um, and even some of the guys, like a Spencer Rattler, who was just a good, as far as like you could rely on him to be a solid backup and, and you know after he got pulled, just stuff like that you don't have you know at your, at your disposal anymore. So... Um, you're going to hear a lot of things. Just people tell you, they know, trust me, they don't it, for the most part. There's a few things we can put together and make educated guesses and that's what we'll do. So I will just say that. Um, yes, you mentioned Dylan Gabriel. Uh, that, that has to be, and, and that's one thing I want to tell because people keep asking us confidence. Why do you, why do you fans have confidence? And aside from our general just arrogance and because of OU and everything, um, it's because a lot of this stuff worked out really well in the situation we were in this year. One of them, a Dylan Gabriel transfer, a quarterback. You get an experienced quarterback, you know, things like that. There's several key things that we can go throughout this offseason that allowed this team to come together in a way that if you would have looked at it in January, you'd have thought, you're crazy, there's no way. So that's let's start with that. The, you know, the transfer Gabriel, obviously, that's a big deal. Experience in that offense knows the system is going to distribute the ball really quickly. Um Yes, they do like to do a lot more up-tempo than you saw from Oklahoma last year. Um, but what the reason I'm excited about it more than Gabriel and anything is he tends to feature the run game more, whereas Riley, to a fault, would sometimes forget he had a 1,000-yard rusher sitting back there. 
and it became very frustrating. Um, it obviously, I personally believe, and any football coach who is can argue this with me, and that's fine, I don't care. I personally believe ultimately led to a lot a less physicality version of the offense and team over the couple year period. Um, you know, I, I think that matters. If, 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 if you don't practice enough, do it enough, you don't see it successfully enough happen, like a ball going through a net. You don't see it go through enough. You, you don't do it enough. You don't do it at a high level. It's been the one thing that's uh, decimated tech over the years. So why not keep <laughs> well, that? That, keep one, yeah, that, that, what, that and Baker Mayfield. Okay, that's my last one. I won't say anything else. We're going to drop that in there. Like, I was yeah, hoping you that guy. guys that just follow up with another question. And I wouldn't even have to. <laughs> well, I will say this. So I, y'all have a quarterback who has probably the best name in all of college football in general booty. Um, he's one of your backup quarterbacks. <laughs> and I do love that. Um, but, uh, so I you like did mention doing, Oh, that, ahead, I, I didn't even, I, I forgot all about him. I didn't even see him here on the that roster. That's a great name. name well. ever. <laughs> there you go too. But you mentioned Dylan Gabriel a little bit before, uh, Dylan Gabriel, leader of the national champion UCF Knights. Um, and so, how excited are you to get Dylan Gabriel with Oklahoma? Like, is it another transfer similar to Kyler Murray or or uh, to where you're, you're like, oh, okay, well, just another one coming in. No big deal. One-year guy is going to be good for us. Or is it a, is he different? Is he exceptional in a way that you're, that you're really even more exciting than, you, than usual? It's funny you asked me this question because I haven't really been asked much about it. And if you know me personally, you know I have this thing about left-handed quarterbacks that I cannot get out of my head that drives me absolutely insane. Um, and obviously Dylan is. And uh, which is funny because I'm left-handed. So you would think like, hey, why are you being so biased about it? But it, I, I can't stand them. I can't. Uh, Tebow, on down the line, can't stand them. Um, it's usually ugly. It usually doesn't look right. And receivers usually have trouble catching the ball with the spin from a different quarterback. That said, I feel like this one does distribute the ball better. I would like I there's some things I would I need to see him do in our offense on our field playing against our opponents. I need to see him do. So am I optimistic, excited about him? Yes. Do I think he can get the job done? Yes. If we're talking are we looking for 2017 Baker, 2018 Kyler? I'm not there yet. I, I don't I don't think one, I'm not convinced he possesses the skill. I don't care Oklahoma fans fight me. Doesn't matter. I'm not convinced he possesses the skill to do that. Um, yes, I've seen the tape at UCF. I need to see him do that at Baylor against Baylor in the Big Twelve title. Like that, that I need that that's what I need. So like and I know that's asking a lot, but I just again with the podcast over the years, I've learned when to just not make predictions I can't back up. And I just I'm not convinced he's there yet. I'm just not. But I th- that probably sounded bad. I think he's going to have a good season. Don't take it the wrong way. I just don't know that you're going to get 2018 Kyler. That's all I'm trying to say. <laughs> Corey's like, uh, well, let me rephrase what I just I mean, said. He's going to throw for a lot of yards. Let's get real. I, d- I just don't think – I just don't know that we're talking Heisman. I don't know that he's in the Heisman discussion in November. Let's just put it that way. Well, the thing about it is I actually agree with you. I'm not the biggest Dylan Gabriel fan. I, I, it's not that I think he's going to be bad or anything like that. He's an Oklahoma quarterback, so it's, it's only so bad that you're going to be right when you have all the talent that's stacked around line, you, yeah. right? But I, I do question if he's really going to be like like a Kyler, or even you know, I even question if he's going to be Galen Hurts. 
right? I think Jalen Hurts is somebody that had the started off on fire and kind of trailed off as the year goes on. And I, I kind of see something similar with, with Dylan with Dylan Gabriel. And, and, and that, I think that's the problem again with my honesty. A lot of times people think I'm being negative. I'm not. I love the kid. I think he's fan, he's first of all super good human being. It seems like from the limited time he's been there, uh, fantastic teammate. People seem to absolutely love him. Offensive line seems to love him, which is always important. Um, and he clearly has put on tape enough to make you believe Oklahoma is at least going to be a problem on offense. Is that is that a better way to put it? Yeah. Does that make more <laughs> sense than is that? Oklahoma yeah, is always going to be a problem. Yeah, but on I offense. mean, yeah. Yeah, okay, this is a better way. But I don't think you're going to see a huge difference. Certainly not from last year. I, but I kind of throw that as a throwaway year for me because personally, I think he was checked out in September. But that's a much longer discussion. Um, you do that. Back to like, you know, 2020 is a little weird with the COVID, but 2020, you know, 2019, 2018, so I think Oklahoma won't look that much different in terms of when you look at the end of the year, the numbers are going to be there. Speaking of numbers, I mean, for Oklahoma last season, the worst thing offensively you guys did was rushing and you were still 40th in the nation, 187 yards a game. Like, <laughs> it hurt, man. It's just, it's like tough people. It hurts doing that hurts almost as much as watching Oklahoma play defense for the last decade. Like that's, that's been brutal. And, and, and again, factor in a factory and factory in Oklahoma's history and some of the play. And, you know, I mean, they're there. They were at one time, this program was very much known for its defense and it's been absolutely embarrassing for the most part for the last decade. So, I mean, uh, I don't have to tell Texas Tech fans that. We played maybe the most embarrassing, but also fun, but also hysterical bananas game in the history of the Big 12 that night in Lubbock. So, you guys don't need to be told that. I'm just saying, like, it's been hard to do. So, when, you know, something like that happens, a program you're known for, we don't we don't worry about running backs at Oklahoma. We just don't. I don't care who you bring here. Bring anybody. Bring me bring me your water boy off your high school team. He's going to run for 400 yards. I don't care. Well, it's not fair like, that y'all had Samaj P. Ryan and Joe Mixon was a backup running back. That's so wild. Well, that was a little bit because of his own doing. Let's be honest. Yeah, it's just, it's the wild. odds anyway. he would have played his freshman year were very high. Not not I don't I'm not saying he starts, but he would have played. Hmm. Um, well, I mean, so we you briefly mentioned defense, Corey, and I'm so glad you did for half a second. Let's switch to defense. Um, you know, for the past couple of years, you had Alex Grinch kind of design his defense. It was speed. Speed everywhere, and it kind of burnt you. I mean, the secondary you had last year, just pass defense in, de- in general, was probably the weakest part of Oklahoma defense, right? You pull, you do pull over the offseason two really good starters in Trey Morrison's from UNC, CJ Colton from Wyoming. Um, you know, those will be helpful. But you got Venables now, right, as a head coach. He's like, you know what? Defense, defense, defense. He's, he he built there. He built, you know, Clemson. He wants big five-star defensive lines. He, he wants national championships that uh, are built off of defensive schemes. And it's going to take a couple years, obviously, to do that. Um, but he's obviously changing the intensity around Oklahoma. It's like changing the culture and the mindset of Oklahoma. Like, hey, we're going to start this. where The, the defense is where this is going to start, right? Um, can you tell us a little bit, like the same way with offense, like, you mentioned it that off like defense has kind of been a thorn in Oklahoma's side. Um, 
it's a lot more downhill. It's a lot more like if we're just kind of like color grading it, um, it's a lot more yellow and red versus your green, green, green offense. And so, um, you know, what do you what can you tell people about Oklahoma's defense going into this year? Because it's a whole different it's a whole different pedagogy. Well, with and, and let me first say it's an it's fun for the first time since I've been doing this podcast. Kind of like Albie Wago mentioned the uh, Big 12 championship first time, you know, you can. People get mad at me when I would pick OU every year, but then I kept telling them, like, give me a reason not to. Like, I'm ba- I- I'll listen. I will. I am open to whatever you have to say, but from, like, 2015 on, give me a reason not to pick Oklahoma and win the Big 12. Kind of the same thing here. Like, you know, it's um, – <laughs> we uh, we don't like to really talk about the defense a whole lot, so it's, it's just nice to finally be able to talk from that standpoint of – Hey, we're not having to, you know, we're not carrying, Hey, you're the champion. So everybody expects you to win. It's nice to be able to talk from that standpoint of, Hey, yeah, some optimism on defense for once. So it's nice to be able to do that. Um, In terms of, you know, just, I'm excited. We know, we know the system. He basically runs a four, three for the most part Um, things. I'm super excited to see just what he does with all this athletes. I mean, here's the thing, Riley, while he recruited decently defensively, obviously they weren't always the biggest guys, but there was a lot of athletic ability out there. A lot of athletes would get recruited, you know, to the guys with the athlete designation, things like that. There's a lot of them dudes running around right now. Um, and I am just, it's kind of almost nostalgic in a way because when Bob came in, he did this, you saw the staff, him and Mike back and forth over the first couple of years. Hey, this guy belongs on offense. He's got no business over here. Hey, this guy belongs on defense. He shouldn't be over here. This receiver should be playing corner. That's what I'm looking forward to the most. And I, I know that's a nerdy, weird thing and not the answer you're wanting. You're wanting to know if like seven defensive linemen are going to line up and absolutely level the offensive line and sack the court. I, I, I'm sorry. I'm not that. Just I am more detail oriented than that. I want to know like, you know, like, hey, you know, they've been playing this guy on the, you know, at safety for three years under Grinch, but he's the best wide receiver, or second best wide receiver on the team after four weeks. And then, then I can tag Grinch and be like, you dumbass. As far as the defensive side of the ball, who I'm most excited about, if you want that, Jalen Redmond returning to the defensive line. Um, I forget the awards because I get the defensive ones mixed up for overall player versus defensive lineman, but he was a, a preseason All-American named recently for one of those. Forgive me. I should have had that ready to go and I forgot it, but uh, he, he's fantastic. I, I think he's going to do wonderful. And this is, this is the staff he needed. Um, this is the staff I wish we had last year with Perry on with free. This is the staff I wish we had. Um, okay, here we go. The name discussion before the show, uh, the linebacker, the linebacker that plays for the Los Angeles chargers, Murray, uh, you know, a guy like that, who just, you walked him, walk out into a football field and you go, this guy was born to play football. He was born to play linebacker let him go and he never got to really see it some his senior year and i think honestly if you held him down and asked him a lot of that was probably his own intuition of how what he needs to do as a player not necessarily maybe what they were telling him so you know things like that that's what i'm excited about i know that's the nerdy answer they brought in some transfers i do like you know and, and reggie grimes i'm not a transfer but reggie grimes i'm super excited about see what he does this year guys who were um filled in you know, kind of backup rotational guys on the defensive line last year because obviously OU lost some very, very key pieces there. Three guys across the front seven that were huge, huge uh, game changers for the for the for the team. So uh, that's that's the question: is is who can those guys? Obviously, they're good enough to play. We know that. We've seen it. We've seen it on tape. Can they then now become those difference makers that they need to take that next step? That's what we'll be, we'll wait and see. 
Well, I will say, and you kind of talk about the, the, the not being there for Oklahoma, not being there yet with the Oklahoma defense, but really seeing what can happen when you have a guy um, uh, like Brett Venables kind of infusing his personality, infusing his defensive systems in there. Uh, but I think one thing that I think most of our listeners can agree with is, is that the best way to really infuse and, and uplift your finances is by getting the franchise coach that is Adam Goldman. So French, shout out to Adam Goldman, friend of the podcast. Uh, he's a franchise consultant who is an experienced investor, serial entrepreneur, and master franchiser. And he's a Red Raider grad. And he's going to be able to help all of our listeners and you, Corey, even though you're not a Red Raider grad, even though you're you're not a Red Raider by heart, Adam Goldman will still be there to help you and get the franchise that you need, right? If you want to really uh, um, expand your portfolio, open up your uh, your own franchise, have a Subway owned by Corey, got a sub with a Big 12 country Subway, Adam Goldman will be able to help you out with that and find out the best way to get your finances in order to be able to do that and achieve that, right? Right now, inflation is wild and Adam's here to help you. So that is Adam Goldman at thefranchisecoach.net. Make sure to book a time with him and tell him that tortillas and takes sent you. Right. That way that he he's a friend of the pod and he knows that you're a friend of the pod, too. So that, again, is Adam Goldman at FranchiseCoach.net. So, Corey. <laughs> so I will say this, Corey. Um, it's prediction time. You are one of the reasons why I want to bring you on here is because you are like like we talked about. You're, you're one of the more level headed Oklahoma fans. It's not just going to be. It's not just going to be a, a 15 and 0 to the national championship every year with Corey here. So, what is the prediction that you have set in Brenton Venables' first year, Dylan Gabriel's first year? Uh, but you're still the Oklahoma Sooner. So, are, are you getting back to the perch? Are we going to see an undefeated season? What do you think? I, I think 10 wins is, is not crazy. I, um, nine is, I feel, more than doable. Nine, you're not. I, I, nine, I don't really see a path into the Big 12 title game. Bargaining, you know, unless one of the other contenders just really falls on their face. Because I feel like, I feel like that group at the top. And it's weird this year because we have to set OU aside as, and just instead of just assuming they're there. Because um, to me, again, to me, they're TBD. It's too. There's too much. There's too many questions you can't answer. I don't care how what people tell you. Sorry, I mean, talk with my hands sometimes. I hit the microphone. Um, there's too many people that are going to tell you hey, this, 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 that. No, it, it's it's they're guessing. So it, that's kind of what we're doing here. Um, I I, I it, looking at the schedules among all 12 teams, which I have or 10 teams. I'm already ahead of myself for when we start adding teams. All 10 teams. Um, yeah, I look at them and I and I and I see a group kind of emerge in the top of the conference that is going to be steady enough beyond a shadow of a doubt that I think OU has to win 10 to get back into the Big 12 championship. Personally, I think if they get in the game, they're going to win. Um, that's just their house. That's their game. If we make that game, I, I'll go to Vegas and put money on OU. And I don't bet on OU any other time. I refute, I, I'm superstitious, former mainly baseball player, played football too, other things, but very superstitious about things. So I don't bet on OU, but um, that one, you know, if we, I don't care who it is. I, I really don't. That game, that stadium, I, I like our chances. So I think 10 wins, they get in, they could play the optimist, the optimist, the optimist, if I could talk in me says that happens. The realist setting my OU fandom aside in me says nine's probably more feasible. And they don't make the victory. Yeah. So I think when you look at the season, it, it's kind of an interesting setup. You got UTEP, Kent State, 
Okay, fine. It's weeks three and four for me. It's the Nebraska at Nebraska and then uh, at home against Kansas State back to back. Of course, Aunt, uh, Martinez goes to Nebraska or goes to Kansas State from Nebraska. I think I think Oklahoma loses one of those two. Uh, I'm not sure which one it is. I know we had Scott on and he's pretty optimistic about Kansas State's chances this season. But outside of that, really the only threatening, it comes in the second half against Baylor. And then, of course, you can never count out uh, the Bedlam game. So for me, it's like a nine or ten win season uh, for Oklahoma. But I, I don't see them winning the championship just with how good Baylor is. Uh, with everything, Oklahoma is one of the most complete teams in the Big 12 this year. But I think they have a lot of things they have to figure out within that. Um, so for me, you know, nine or ten wins this season. So I'll say this: I um, so Par- so so Parker stat- at Stats of War on uh, on Twitter. He put he had a question. He put out the six games of Oklahoma, and he said, "What is their record after the six games?" And uh, I think most people said five and one, um, but a few people said four and two, and, I, and I'm one of them. I was like, "Man, four and two because you have." At Nebraska, home against Kansas State, and then the Dallas game against Texas will be virtual toss-ups. And it's a toss-up, not because Nebraska's like Oklahoma's that much better, like like Nebraska's that good. It's just it's a home game in Nebraska. That game is gonna be a game that could potentially save Scott Frost's job. Like that is gonna be such a and Nebraska's gonna do everything in their power to try to win that game. And I'm not saying Nebraska wins it, but I look at Nebraska, K-State, and Texas and say, Oklahoma's probably losing two of those. Right, and we'll even throw TCU in there just because it's a road game, even though I don't really think that's going to be too much of a problem. But you know, I, I look at Oklahoma and say that Oklahoma's probably losing two of those there. Then you have the back half where you have at Iowa State, home against Baylor, home against Oklahoma State. And I say, uh, again, Oklahoma's probably losing two of those. And so I, I kind of have it eight and four, the best nine and three. And my main thing is, is that it's not because Oklahoma's Oklahoma. And they're great and they're always going to be great. And they have, they have a top 10 recruiting class again. And that whole team has a recruiting average i think of like sixth nationally like they're always going to be fantastic but i am going to go with the same logic i've always gone with everything is that excuse me when you have a new coach and you have a new quarterback you're going to lose more games than you probably should right i felt the same way about texas last year when everybody was predicting a nine-win season for texas my prediction was seven and five and then they even they even was worse than that um because they had a new coach and a new quarterback and even with Dylan Gabriel, and I kind of agree with you, Corey, in that I, I'm just not a huge Dylan Gabriel fan. I think he's I, he's more Jalen Hurts than he is Kyler Murray and that he's a guy that doesn't have all the tools that a Baker or a Kyler or a Sam Bradford necessarily have um, and that he's going to need that coaching. And, 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 and Jeff Lebby, sure, he has some familiarity, but it's also been years since Jeff Lebby and, and Dylan Gabriel were together. If Dylan Gabriel goes down, Oklahoma's kind of at, a, at an impasse. And I just... I don't see them making the Big 12 tournament. Oklahoma has proven me wrong so many times. I can't even count. So I'm probably wrong on this as well. But I got eight and four, maybe nine and three. But I, I do not see them in the Big 12 championship game um, either. Like, And, and I'll, not to mention, I think this is the first year, I want to say, since they started putting it out, that Oklahoma, I mean, I don't count the fact that Mike Turk, the punter, made the big preseason Big 12 team. Nobody else on offense or defense made the Big 12 or the preseason Big 12 team for Oklahoma. And it's a big thing because, and then I, I the first thing I saw was like, man, that's crazy. Then I looked at Oklahoma Ross and I was like, but who would make the preseason Big 12 team? So it's it's one of those things where I think Oklahoma is still talented like usual, but they're not the same Oklahoma Sooners. It's a brand new head coach, brand new quarterback. And sure, even if you looked at the roster and said that's a 10 win team, new coach, new quarterback, you got to drop them a game or two. Because but, and of that's, it. that's, and you're expanding on kind of what I've been trying to say this whole show is that like, we can make educated guesses about a lot of this stuff. Either A, there's a returning starter or 
uh, B, the staying coaches retained on staff, like in the case of our offensive line coach, Beanbow, et cetera, et cetera. But the picture of things that I could throw at a wall and try to guess at is much larger. You talk about a new quarterback being a big issue, uh, new staff, you know, and that happens, that sort of thing. The thing that tends to bail those teams out is a defense they know they can count on that absolutely stops people. A running game that is usually physical, um, it, it chews up clock, allows the other offense to stay off the field so that they can get by, that sort of thing. Well, where do you point to that with Oklahoma? Because you lost enough um, playmakers, stars, uh, that, that you have to figure out, okay, who's going to make those plays this year, but also – transfers and there's guys that are moving positions that we've seen. And, and so it's like, you're, you can't say that you, 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 I mean, you can, a lot of Oklahoma fans will because it's Brent Venables, but in all honesty, in reality, if you're being honest with yourself, you can't say, well, okay, they can, they can lean on the heels of this defense. Well, then you look at the run game. It's Eric Gray, who personally, one of my bright spots this year, I think will absolutely shine. You know, later on, Marcus Major, who likely will be the number two, although I think in the end and maybe to fit a power run game better, could be the starter before the end of the year. Uh, just a physical specimen kid out of Oklahoma. Um, but, you know, the, those are those weren't your starters last year. I mean, those weren't your, your your major, major contributors, at least not to the end of the year or sparsely in case in the case of Eric Gray. So if. if you can't point to the run game that you know you, you got. You can't point to the defense that you'll be on the shadow of a doubt. No, you got the offensive line, which we didn't even really touch on, was an absolute joke by our standards last year. Um, there are guys there that now let me be clear. I think that some of that gets cleared up among the new system. And also, I think a transfer like Wayne Morris, who came in from Tennessee, now you're here, probably has a little better year this year. Things like that. But that that's not even – we're not even getting on the offensive line, which if you ask me what the biggest question of this team is this year, it's that. It sounds really negative, and it's more – but it's just me trying to get people to understand. And to, 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 to your larger point, A, the questions I can't answer. I mean, I can answer. I can give you an educated guess about anything you want, but beyond a shadow of a doubt answer. And then also to, to your point about the record, you could make a case and not sound crazy that bowl eligibility for this team – you know, if you're just saying straight up facts, list them out on paper, you could actually make a case that bowl eligibility is into play here, like for a team like this, with everything that they have to deal with coming back from last year versus what this team looked like last year. You're right for sure. But um, I really appreciate you, Corey, being on this podcast. It's been a good time. Uh, Jeremy, you got anything else you want to say to the people? No, man, just super excited for football season coming up. And we have more previews. We're not done with Big 12 schools, so be sure to stay tuned. And for Dylan. Um, if you like this podcast, if you like our podcast, you just like tortillas, man, please leave us a review, write commentary on that. It's really helpful for us to understand uh, what you guys like, what you guys don't like. Um, if you like everything, awesome. We'll send you a koozie. Uh, but yeah, be sure to leave us a review. Yep. And that's all. I mean, yeah, Jeremy took the words right out of my mouth. So there we go. Thanks. Thanks again, for Corey, for uh, being on here with us. Uh, so, um, so for Corey, for Jeremy, this is Albie Shore and you've been listening. <laughs> that's right. Well, if anything, Texas is way more farther down the line than than just right after Oklahoma and Oklahoma State. So, um, but uh, yeah, no, you're good. You're good. Uh, but you, everybody listening here, you've been listening to the Tortillas and Takes podcast. Uh, as always, stay wrecked, people. Sports Social Podcast Network.